Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We just spent the last few minutes breaking down the tiebreakers. Denver, New Orleans. And how the Wolves yet still can blow this thing. I mean, they're probably in, but it's really dicey. Maybe. (laughs) We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? I mean, I'm I'm this close to returning to the floor and and playing again. I love being out there. Uh, with the soldiers that go through it uh, every day in practice, every day in the game. Uh, that's what I miss more than anything, just out there competing with those guys. And we just got to get tougher. Uh, we we got to play like some dogs with a sense of urgency. Uh, teams just do whatever they want against us. I don't like it, but, you know, ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody play hard. Ain't no coach in the world that can make anybody um, want it. And right now, um, in the position that we are, I don't know what, four through ten or whatever y'all talk about in the media, um, everybody's playing for the fight of their life. Like, we got to realize that, you know, as a whole, we got to go out there and, and just be the tougher team every single night, every single position. All right, so as we sit here with this conflicting feeling regarding the Timberwolves of wanting them to make the playoffs for the first time in a decade and a half and wanting to enjoy as much as we can the best season since Kevin Garnett left, with the fact that they just look joyless and Tom Thibodeau is sort of this miserable being who who screams for two and a half hours. And like we're trying to reconcile these two things. And Jimmy Butler adds another layer to it. And he says, quote, as you just heard, ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody play hard. Ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody want it, which is both a defense of Tom Thibodeau and also an indication that there are guys on the team that aren't playing hard and maybe don't want it, right? Like yeah. otherwise, oh, no, this wouldn't most be definitely, yeah. right. Yeah. So when you heard that quote this morning, how did that make you feel? What do you think about that? Uh, that made me feel like uh, it's uh, Tibbs and Jimmy against the world. Maybe that, maybe Taj a little bit. That they I don't know exactly. Although Taj has ripped Tibbs a couple times. Too. I think Taj. Don't forget Derek. Oh, now Derek would be it, yes. If, if actually, Derek, Dave said in the video clip where Jimmy's talking, yeah. in the background you see Derek Rose and Tom Thibodeau yucking it up about fifteen feet behind Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I think Taj tolerates Tibbs, and I think Taj uh, knows how how to keep a job with Tibbs. But if if there is a a basketball sunset that is going to be ridden off into. And, th- and there's going to be three guys on that horse. It's going to be Tibbs on the horse, Jimmy, and Derek. And they're all going to gallop off. So 
Jimmy, this is Jimmy and this is Tibbs against the world. And then Th- when, this when, is those two basically. Basically, Jimmy is uh, Tibbs' alter ego of some sort, the player, and he is going to go down defending this guy seemingly no matter what. Well, I find it interesting that Jimmy Butler is basically insinuating that, well, it's, it could be one of two things that. Coaches have very little influence over results. That it's it's the players who have to want it, right? The players that have to play until they pass out. Or he's insinuating that the Wolves are perfectly coached and taught and perfectly motivated by Tom Thibodeau's style of coaching, and they just have the laziest, don't care attitude players on the roster. I mean, that's what that's what I gathered from his defense of Tom Thibodeau, which I think I think both assertions are ludicrous. And that you're you're telling me Brad Stevens, Greg Popovich. What Quinn Snyder's been able to do with the Utah Jazz this season, what what Terry Stotts has done with Portland the last few years, including this year, Portland has been one of the best teams in the NBA outside of Houston and uh, and the and the Cavs and Golden State. You're telling me those coaches aren't actively elevating All right. the level of play for their teams? Let's, of course they are. Let's break this down. Jimmy Butler is through and through an old soul. Jimmy Butler, if if you if you could go to Jimmy and say Jimmy. I can transport you. I can put you in a time-traveling machine going backwards, and I can take you to 1978, and you can play in that NBA where you can get away with whatever you want. The games are on tape delay. Nobody gives a damn, but you are going to be able to play the exact style of basketball that you so so desire, the three-point shots, a non-entity in this league. I think more like late 80s, early 90s, but but, your point is taken. But you get my point. Jimmy Butler is an old soul. I truly believe that Tibbs believes, and Tibbs is right to a certain degree, that his system does work in an e- in a different era. We are now seeing largely, and, and this is why Butler was traded by, by the Bulls, but we are now seeing why the Bulls gave up on Tibbs. The Bulls looked at Tibbs and said, well, your system, yeah, it, it worked at one time, but you don't adjust, you don't morph it. And so they said, either you're going to sit down and listen to us or we're going to make a change. And he said, bleep you. And he left. Now, when it came to Butler, Butler said the same thing, basically. They, the Bulls hired Hoiberg because they needed the opposite of Tibbs. And they needed someone who could come in and do what? Hopefully relate to young players. Jimmy Butler said, I don't need that. So Jimmy, but- Jimmy and Tibbs are the odd men out here. And, yeah. and Butler's an all-star. He's a great player. But they are the oddities here. And and the fact that this team doesn't listen to Tibbs, they don't relate to Tibbs, and more importantly, they don't play his system, is telling you something. I, well, I think, to your point, I think Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau both look around every basketball room that they're in and think, I'm the smartest guy in this room, and everyone else is mostly an idiot or mostly isn't matching my level of intensity or work or whatever. Like they look around the room and in some cases they're right and I'm and I'm much more tolerable of that with a player in Jimmy Butler cuz you know what D- just go out there and and play 40 minutes with your hair on fire and you're going to you're going to raise the water level. I mean Kobe Bryant clashed with teammates and and it and it worked for him for five championships. Michael Jordan clashed with teammates. There's other guys and LeBron James is more like this and I think Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich can be gruff but he's he's more like this. Where they go into a room and they think, okay, how can I help everybody? How can I communicate better? How can I teach better? How can I elevate the level of someone else's game? And and as a byproduct, that's going to come around and help me and help the whole team. I get that sense from Butler and Tom Thibodeau. They look around the room and they think, well, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know what else to say. I, everything yeah. I'm doing is perfect and 
everyone else needs to shape up. And there is, like, to some degree with with players, like, if you can't motivate yourself to improve your game in the offseason or during practice or whatever, like, that's where I agree with Jimmy Butler, that ain't no coach in the world can make somebody play hard or want it. Yeah. But it bothers me that the rhetoric around this team, when, whenever there's a problem to be pointed out, it's never strategic. It's never the fact that they don't shoot three-pointers on the level of the best teams in the NBA, that they don't guard the important spots on the court like a Boston or San Antonio, that they don't have any depth that they rely on to go eight, nine men deep to maybe take some mileage off the starters. The conversation and the rhetoric is always about toughness and wanting it more. It's like their hockey team. Right. I mean, it's and the it's, same and words that, used in ho- hockey. That's it, Yes, that's when, exactly but, what it is. But when you watch the Wolves and you watch their shortcomings, do you think, you know what? If they just wanted it a little bit more, they'd be able to hang with Houston on a regular basis. They wouldn't lose by 20 to Utah the other night. Here's the problem. Butler is an all-star player, and he was a great acquisition, and and he's a great guy to have on this team. But Jimmy Butler is, is the oddity here. It's hard to find guys who are going to sit down and say, you know what, Tibbs is right. If you don't have, in 2018, if you can't find a coach who can at least semi-relate to players, you're going to be lost. In 1975, you would have been fine saying, bleep all of you, I don't care what you think, you're playing my style, and that's it. And guys probably would have said, I don't like you, but I'll just do it. Guys now aren't going to do that. So so Tibbs' problem going forward as far as I see is this. This is not going to change. He's not going to get a group of of. Jimmy Butler's. He's going to continue to find players who are going to say, what are you talking about? And I'm not going to do it. And so if this was just, if you could say to yourself, well, this collection of players doesn't like him, but if you just got a few more who did, you're not going to find them. This problem is going to continue because players now want to be related to, they want to understand, and I think that they want to feel right or wrong that they're part of the process. And if you just say, this is the process, and if you don't do it, you're stupid, guess what they say? I'm tuning you out. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm so conflicted here because I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to change. I think you're right. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to change. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to maximize the potential of certain players on the roster. He's not getting through defensively. It's been one of the five or six worst defensive teams in the NBA since the day he stepped in, and that includes Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler, and the guys that he brought in in the offseason this year. So if I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the right guy to lead this team in the future, do I also think it would be better if they missed the playoffs? Like, I'm sitting here. See, you I'm are. Sit, like, my mind is going are, to that spot right now. I love this. Because you you now you now can re- you now can relate to my Mike Yo wild problem. This this is where I see I don't care if the Wolves make the playoffs, that's fine. But you care far more deeply about this team and franchise than I do. So you now are identifying with my exact problem when I kept watching those wild teams with Yo and and he wasn't the same coach, but he had some of the same problems. If the Wolves make the playoffs. That's fine for me. For you, though, I get your problem. I get the dilemma. Well, I want long-term success, which has been fleeting, to say the <laughs> least, for this franchise. And when you have... You had it when you were 18. I don't know what you're talking about. And well, and when you have a player like Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. and, and you might have him if you play your cards right for his entire prime for 10 more years, you can't allow the same thing that happened with Kevin Garnett to happen with Carl Anthony Towns. And, and 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 the difference between the Kevin Garnett era and the potential Carl Anthony Towns era, Flip Saunders was a wonderful coach. 
they just didn't put players around KG. I mean, it was like Wally Zerbiak was the best sidekick until 2003 that KG ever had. Otherwise, Anthony Peeler was a secondary scoring option. They just, it was KG and a bunch of guys that he was making better. And then they added some players around him. And then look, you take a great player, a great coach, and a great roster. And if not for Cassell's injury, they might have won the title that year. This roster is better than anything, anything that Kevin Garnett and Flip Saunders had in the late 90s, early 2000s, until the Spreewell Cassell team. It is. And it's coaching, I think, yeah, or la- or lack of teaching and lack of connectivity with the players well, that, that, that would eventually hold this team back long term. So it's 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 and it's similar. It, it's similar in that you have a superstar and that you don't want to waste the superstar's yeah. career, but it's different problems that and you're dealing. So with. that point too, do you really see with with things trending the, the way that, that they ha- have been? And if all the stuff that we hear about Tibbs is correct, which we believe, do you really think that Cat is going to say? I would want to be there long term because I sure don't. Well, I, don't, I think Cat's well, going to say, at the very least, I think he's going to say, let's wait and see, and I would like to explore my options. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to be here in five years. Like, I don't think he's signing another contract with the Timberwolves. There's something about his style. Maybe it's a little bit like Jim Harbaugh with NFL teams, or he gets to the 49ers and it's very exciting at first, and there's some improvement, but he just wears on people in the organization. I, I do think there's a lot of that with Tom Thibodeau. But again, like, if they get to the playoffs, he deserves credit on whatever level for for accomplishing that feat for so the first time in a decade. Do you want them to make it or not? <laughs> if you have, if you both have to answer the question, oh, yes. do you do Put you the screws to do him. you want them to make it or not? Because there were yo wild teams where I can say unequivocally, my answer was I I wanted them to sink. I wanted to see them sink to break up what I felt was a questionable locker room at best. Part of me. I mean, I've been diving into the tiebreakers. I've got a whole. We're going to do a segment on this later. If they, don't, I don't want to hear about tiebreakers right now. Do you want them to make it or not? If you could, if you could wave the magic wand today to get, and if they don't, Tibbs is gone. But I don't know what's on the other side either. He won't answer the question. Oh, he is dodging. This is not a political convention. Answer the question, sir. I don't know. This is a court of law. I don't know. I need to think on this more. What's your inclination? My right. If, if I had Just to, if answer, I had to make a choice as yes. a Wolves fan right now, and Tibbs is gone. If if they do not make the playoffs, so you wave a magic wand, he's gone. I kind of want, I kind of want them to miss the playoffs. There's keep no the, question keep the draft pick. you want. And keep the draft pick. They get to keep the draft pick. We got the answer. You 100% want that. I can tell that because <laughs> you're so too. afraid of your 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 love for this team that you 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 can't you can't bring yourself to say I want, it. But here's here's the confliction. Okay, I want long <laughs> I want long term success. I yeah. think they're set up if they play their cards right. Coaching personnel. They're set up for long-term success just because they have Carl Anthony Towns. But sometimes you need short-term failure, one step back, two steps forward, right? If you ask me again in an hour, I might change my mind. Like, it would be really fun for Jimmy Butler to be in a playoff series against a depleted Golden State team. That would be really fun. Houston, I'm out. Here, Can I give you this answer? If it's eight seed versus one seed, I'd rather than miss the playoffs at this point. Okay. But if it's like if they get the sixth seed and they're playing Portland and they might have a chance to you know make it a series and get to the second round, if they get to the five seed, if they beat Denver a couple times, this, this is where I'm in because then they can get to the second round and it's fun. But if they're just going to get waxed by Houston, I'd rather them keep the draft pick and ah! this year does not feel like it's destined to be fun, Phil. Oh my God. I think they'll be the seven or eight seed. <laughs> 
You know what? If you have thoughts on this, tweet at us. Are you a conflicted Wolves fan right now? I like love I am. This. Is there a part of you that kind of looks at the doomsday scenario and says, I wonder if that'd be good long term for the franchise? I love this. Now you know how and I feel. And 651 646 8255 877 615 1500. Tweet at us at Phil Mackey at 1500 ESPN Judd. We're in the TCL broadcast studios, and all of our Wolves conversations are brought to you by TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Uh, something else we have to get to here Mike Zimmer brings up a really interesting point. The NFL wants to move in a certain direction in-game, and coaches are saying no. And Mike Zimmer is leading that charge. We'll get to that, too. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. Just got to get tougher. We got to play like some dogs with a sense of urgency. Team just do whatever they want against us. I don't like it, but, you know, ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody play hard. Ain't no coach in the world that can make anybody um, want it. And right now, um, in the position that we are, I don't know what, four through ten or whatever y'all talk about in the media, um, everybody's playing for the fight of their life. Like, we got to realize that, and um, as a whole, we got to go out there and, and just beat a tougher team every single night, every single possession. That's Jimmy Butler defending Tom Thibodeau. When I watch the Wolves, even the depleted Wolves team, get smoked by Utah at home, I don't think, you know what, they just didn't play hard. I think, wow, Utah just, Utah's better coach. They move the ball better. They have better defensive principles, and they communicate like they do all these things. That, and Ricky Rubio, someone tweeted us the video of Ricky Rubio after the game, sort of raving about how much better Utah plays as a team than the Wolves did when he was there a year yeah, ago. They definitely. But that's do. what it is. There's some they play great defense. Yeah, there's some teams like it's. I mean, it's the same teams we listed in the first segment. There's some teams like Boston, San Antonio. Um, I could name two or three others. Utah's one of them that their system is greater than any one individual player. Yeah. Then there's teams like the Wolves and the Cavs with LeBron, uh, Oklahoma City with Westbrook, that if you take away the most active star player, it crumbles, and they just become a feeble non-playoff team. And that's where the Wolves are. Like they, they're so reliant on active Jimmy Butler, even with Carl Anthony Towns being one of the better players in the NBA that they just sort of crumble when he's not there. And other teams that are better coached and more cohesive and have better systems don't have to worry about that. Kawhi Leonard's been out all year, and the Spurs are they're going to come just short of 50 wins. Play the, Boston's been without Hayward and, and Kyrie Irving, and they're going to finish with, like, the third-best record. Play the start of that uh, Butler quote again, if you'd be so kind. Cause we just got to get tougher. We got to play like some dogs with a sense of urgency. Teams just do whatever they want against us. I don't like it, but, you know... Ain't no coach in the world that can make somebody play hard. All right, no stop coach. it. All right, here's where he's missing the point. And he's a player, so I completely get it, but he's missing the point. There ain't no coach in the world who can make a player do something, but there are a lot of coaches who can relate. Greg Popovich got LaMarcus Aldridge last year, who I believe was an all-star player. And LaMarcus had a not a great year for the Spurs and was disappointing. And what did Pop do? Pop said, this is partially on me. It's my fault. He took him out to dinner, drank about two bottles of wine, at least Pop did, and said, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Okay? So for all we want to say, well, Pop is Pop is mean when, you know, when, when he comes out at halftime and they try and talk, which doesn't matter one bit, he relates to his players. So the key thing here is relating. It's not It's not that Tibbs is going to actually forcibly take Carl Anthony Towns and put him in the right position, but it's imperative that he can relate to Carl Anthony Towns if this is his system, what he needs to do. 
He doesn't relate to his play. Go to one game and watch it. And he, it w- he doesn't relate to his players. And think about this, too. So this is the second time within four or five years that Tom Thibodeau has started to really wear on an organization or its fan base or, or whatever it is, right? Greg Popovich has been with the Spurs for two-plus decades. Have you ever heard a story come out about Greg Popovich wearing on a fan base or wearing on a team or wearing on an organization or players complaining publicly about Greg Popovich? Unless I'm missing something. That's all you need to know. Yeah, they both have gruff exteriors, but there's a huge difference behind the scenes. And we are getting a ton of tweets from people answering your question from the first segment. Mm -hmm. Is there a part of you as a Wolves fan that kind of wants them to miss the playoffs for potential changes? Uh, Al says, I think Jimmy Butler has Stockholm Syndrome. Bill tweets in. <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes before the show. <laughs> He's uh, right. Chad said, I'm in the same boat. I want long-term playoff runs. I want Tibbs out, but also don't trust Taylor to make the right moves. Uh, Omar says, problem is Tibbs won't be fired if they miss the playoffs. He has three years, $24 million left. Taylor doesn't have it in him to make the call, especially if it means making Jimmy Butler mad. Let's take a call on this real quick here. 651-646-8255. Conflicted Wolves fans. Ryan from Anoka. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, love the show, guys. Uh, I just got a question, actually, about Butler and Thibodeau. Let's say they don't make the playoffs and Thibodeau gets fired. What are the chances of Jimmy Butler saying, uh, I want to go to another team? You know, I, I, I want to resign somewhere else. Because doesn't he up for... Uh, is he an unrestricted free agent next year? After next so, season, yeah. He'd have, yeah, he has one more year left, he, like Judd said. As long as Tibbs is here, he's staying. He loves the man. That That is the one thing. These two are linked, and Butler, the weird thing is this. Butler loves Tibbs' style. So I think that, that the odds of him, if Tibbs stays, the odds of him showing up at Glenn Taylor's doorstep and saying, I, I want out, are zero. But you have to think of this beyond that. Which is if Towns and the rest of the team say, we're not going to listen, we don't care, you got yourself a problem. Because Jimmy Butler can't do this by himself. I mean, this this is so Timberwolves. You you finally, you've got a young superstar, you've got an all-star in Butler, you've got, as, as you said, one of your best rosters of all time for your franchise, yeah. and yet you feel like you have a joyless mess on your hands. Yeah, it is. Uh, I made the comparison off the air to you, and I don't know how apples to apples this is, but there was a young up-and-coming, and the Wolves aren't really young as much anymore. They have a couple young pieces, but the, the, their young pieces are mostly Wiggins and Towns. And then, like, Tyus Jones is pretty young. But they, it's actually a, a veteran-laden team more than we probably think when you just think of the Wolves' first glance because it's just, it's more that they're young in terms of the uh, uh, the playoff process. But the Golden State Warriors, in their first year with Mark Jackson, went 23-43 and 43 in the 2011-12 season, the shortened season. A little bit like the Tom Thibodeau team going like 29 and whatever, uh, what was it, 29 and what's the math there, 53 last, last year. year. Yep. And then they jumped into the playoffs for the first time in a long time. In fact, before they made the playoffs in Mark Jackson's second year, they had only made the playoffs one other time since 1994. And uh, and they got in. They they actually won a first round series and then got beat in the second round. And then Mark Jackson's third year, they stalled out. They got to 51 wins in the regular season, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. And then it was time for another coach to come in. And people were shocked. How can you fire Mark Jackson? I mean, this team's on the rise. They've gone to the playoffs twice in a row. And Warriors ownership said, 
we like what's been happening here in terms of getting to the playoffs and just improving as a franchise. But to maximize this, we need a coach that better connects with players that can squeeze more toothpaste out of the tube. And so we're going to make the really tough decision to fire Mark Jackson and bring in Steve Kerr. And and people were, because Steve Kerr was a broadcaster at the time. Mm-hmm. He had worked in front offices. He'd worked with the Spurs. I believe it was the Spurs the front Suns. office, the Suns. He'd run the Suns, basically, yes. But, but he was broadcasting with TNT when they made that hire. And they won the championship the next year. Now, their system is is cutting edge in terms of three-point shots and defense. It's the best defensive team in the NBA the last five years and the best three-point shooting team. So it's a modern system, and they have talent, and they have a great coach. But it's a little bit similar in that Tom Thibodeau deserves credit for bringing the Wolves to a certain point. Absolutely. Bringing Jimmy Butler in. But it might be that you need the Steve Kerr yeah. to get them now, to where you really want to be with Carl Anthony Towns long Now, your conundrum is this. As a Wolves fan, if that move is made... The the Golden State had the wherewithal to make the decision to fire Jackson and then make a gutsy and great decision to bring Kerr in. <laughs> so step two here is if Glenn Taylor says, you know what, Tom, it's not working, you're gone. Does anyone have the faith that, that he makes the right decision on who, who to bring in next? No. And my answer is absolutely not. No, but that doesn't mean that if you think it's the right decision no, to I know. try again, then I you know, shouldn't but, try again. But the Kerr decision took a lot of guts and was questionable, and it's turned out absolutely to be the right move. 651-646-8255. We're going to talk to Kevin Seifert here soon about a, a, a fun Mike Zimmer-related topic. John, you're on the show. Well, what's up, fellas? What's up, y'all, dude? Cr- y'all hey, cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to put out a trade, uh, a potential trade, I don't like Andrew Wiggins. I think his brain is out in the clouds with all the money he got, and I think personally it's time to get rid of him. What about trading Andrew Wiggins to the Spurs for Kwame Leonard? Ooh. Would you make that trade? Well, the Wolves would be – I mean, John, if you're the Wolves, you would – how fast can you make the trade? Is, mm-hmm. but I if you're, figured that. But if you're the Spurs, the only way the Spurs would ever make that deal, and thank you for the call, John, is if – Whatever's happening behind the scenes with Kawhi Leonard in the organization is just irreparable. And they also thought that, and you'd have to give up more than just Andrew Wiggins, I think, for Kawhi Leonard. Because you think about, like, Andrew Wiggins with the contract that's about to kick in next year is no longer a valuable sort of on-the-rise commodity. He'll be an overpaid salary cap sucking commodity with 25 or $30 million attached to his name. Mm-hmm. I don't think that trade would ever happen on the Spurs' end. Obviously, if you're the Wolves, would you swap Andrew Wiggins for Kawhi Leonard? Yes, in a heartbeat. It'd be a no-brainer. But Greg Popovich would have to see something in, in Andrew Wiggins and also be willing to take on that salary that uh, that he can draw something out of him that obviously no one else has to this point. And also, it sounds like uh, you, you definitely had your chance to trade Wiggy during uh, in June to Chicago, and Glenn Taylor said no. So, well, I'm, but I don't, I don't, I mean, Glenn Taylor probably. No, but I'm saying probably, at this, at but, this but, point. Here, but, but he's always the X factor here. This is always the X factor in trying to, in trying to f- figure out the puzzle and how it should fall. And every time you get to Glenn, you say, well, I think this, but I'm not sure about this. If you could have traded, if Tom Thibodeau came to Glenn and said, we can trade Wiggins to Chicago and here's the deal. And I recommend it. And it's going to be a good idea. And Glenn really said no. Then you're back to all right. Well, that's destructive again. Again, I think Wiggins' contract is almost completely untradeable unless you want to take a bath in return. Like you're never going to be able to trade just Andrew Wiggins for a guy like Kawhi Leonard at this point. You could have maybe a year ago, 
if if there were legit conversations about you know Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, I mean that tells you that at the at that time you could have traded Andrew Wiggins and the hope that sort of goes along with his age and his skill set and his draft status at the time a year ago for top twelve players in the league. Now now that he's going to make big boy salary cap money and he's got another year of inefficient offense under his belt. And even though he's made some improvements defensively, he ain't on the level of a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard. He's not one of the top defensive players in the league. He's probably not even an above-average defensive player. Um, you, If you wanted to trade Andrew Wiggins, it would be essentially dumping him for expiring contracts or role players. You wouldn't get a star in return anymore. I'm, I'm 95% certain on that. Not with that contract. Probably not, but I'd certainly try. And there's going to be, and I'm telling you, Phil. I think there's at least one year left of one team saying we'll fix them. There might be. That's the that's the there thing to keep in mind with a player like him. You're always going to have one or two teams, as dumb as it may seem, saying if we get them, we can fix them. Yeah. So the NFL keeps pushing for something in game, and coaches keep pushing back. Mike Zimmer is leading the charge against this movement. Let's talk about it with Kevin Seifert when we come back. Phil Mackey. I like his odds of uh, of replacing somebody on TNT. Judd Zolgad. Just a genuinely awesome guy, very giving of his time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It's really the process of trying to get better every single day uh, that we're in there, and, and we felt like this was a, another chance for us to get better. Mike Zimmer talking about football. Kevin Seifert wrote a really... Interesting story here on ESPN.com. We're going to bring him in, and how about you set this up? I'll just I'll tee it up like this for you. Mike Mike Zimmer is uh, is one of many coaches that opposes a movement that the NFL has been trying to migrate toward in terms of the use of video content in game with those tablets, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, About five years ago, the the NFL had signed a $400 million uh, sponsorship deal with Microsoft uh, to be the exclusive tablet providers of the league. And they envisioned uh, all kinds of um, sideline operations being consolidated into them, including instant replay, which we've seen. Uh, Finally, they got uh, the still photographs. They used to take Polaroids and send them down on a closed uh, line from the press box to the sideline. Now those are uh, on these tablets. And the next step was going to be video, which had never been available to coaches before. Uh, we know how addicted they are to it during the season or uh, during the week uh, in preparation uh, for the next game and review of the last one. They watch video all the time, uh, even though they still call it film and tape, but that's besides the point. Um, and uh, the assumption on the part of the people from the NFL is that this would be welcomed, you know, that, that, uh, you know, this would be great to be able to, instead of waiting until Monday to see exactly what formation uh, was causing you all that trouble uh, on offense, is seeing it during the game and being able to make the adjustment to it. But coaches, this has been proposed uh, two different times, most recently last week uh, at the owners' meetings, and coaches really pushed back hard, Mike Zimmer being one of them. And the explanation is like a really fascinating glimpse into their mindset. Essentially what they feel is that uh, the introduction of video uh, in those tablets during games will uh, sort of eliminate the competitive advantage they feel they have developed over time in identifying and perceiving those formations and the strategies and the schemes on their own without video, uh, maybe with some help from those still photos, but often just by either talking to the players who are on the field and piecing together what's happening or uh, seeing it with their own eyes from their perspective on the sidelines. And so this is a skill that they have honed in their minds for years and in some cases decades, and it is part of what they believe makes them successful. Uh, 
and on game days and making adjustments, uh, which is, as we know, a big part of who wins and who loses. And if the video is introduced in their minds, the people who aren't very good at that, uh, the other coaches, other unnamed coaches who aren't good at that would be elevated and everybody would be on the same uh, level. Everybody would be able to instantly look at the these tablets and see exactly what is being done uh, and how people are moving and, and maybe last-second adjustments before the snap, uh, all different kinds of things that are really hard, uh, except for the very skilled people to see in live action with their eyes or in still photographs, would all be available immediately uh, and eliminate that competitive advantage and thus uh, – you know, make them have to find some other way to, to, to find an advantage. So these coaches fought back very hard. Uh, the competition committee, once again, was put against the ropes, and nobody wanted to die on that hill, and so they let it go. And so once again, in the 2018 season, those still photographs will be available on the tablet, but no video, uh, even though the assumption has always been that it would make it easier and allow coaches to focus on other things during games. Help me out here, Kevin. So back in our, our days at the Dome t- uh, to get together covering the Vikings for the Star yeah. Tribune, we'd sometimes go up to that coach's booth, and the stills w- would be on the ground. And the stills are, it's not just one. I mean, it's its photo, 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 photo. It's a ton of... of you could make a flip book. Yeah. It, yeah. So so what is the difference between that, which, which if I see that, I can deduct what a team is doing pretty much exactly with, with a good shot there. What's the difference between that an actual and actually going to live in-game film, as coaches call it. Well, it's definitely more efficient. I mean, you don't like. I don't know how often people actually put flip photos, <laughs> all those photos together, and made a flip book out of it. But it uh, it's definitely more efficient and quicker. Uh, some coaches that I talked to, I think Pete Carroll was one, saying that if you just look at a single photo, it can be very misleading, especially if you don't know exactly like how much time was there was before the snap, how many seconds it was before. Uh, we all see how especially on defense, you see players moving around and trying to disguise the coverage until the very last second. And on offense, you see a lot of offenses shifting around. And so if you don't know exactly when it's happening, when exactly that particular formation was happening relative to the snap, it's not going to be as helpful or could or it could fool you into thinking something else. And so the video just makes it evident for everyone, I think, was the argument that they gave me. Yeah. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com with us here, Mackie and Judd. So I, the Vikings have put together a really impressive offseason. They they didn't just leave the NFC Championship game and say, all right, we got close, let's get the band back together. Drastic change at quarterback, Sheldon Richardson at defensive tackle, and they swap out Jarius Wright for Kendall Wright, who's been a pretty underrated good receiver in his career. He's only 28 years old. The Rams have sort of countered over in their division with a bunch of big moves. They traded for Brandon Cook. So uh, in terms of the arms race to catch the Eagles, do you think the Vikings have done more or do you think the Rams have done more? Well, the Rams uh, have been beyond splashy. I mean, like everybody they've acquired is a big name. Um, don't forget, however, that in order to, for in the Rams' case, to acquire – uh, Brandon Cooks, and last year to have acquired Sammy Watkins, who they lost in free agency, they gave up their first and second round draft choices. So they are close to being done, unless they pull off some more trades, I guess, uh, in terms of building their team with impact players. The, the, their next move will be drafting in the third round. So that's something to keep in mind for them. Um, but they, they certainly have, uh, especially defensively, created a, a high-profile group 
that Wade Phillips, who their defensive coordinator is, is going to have his work cut out for him initially in terms of finding a way to work everybody in and, and maximize the talents. We've seen lots of examples of teams going all in and acquiring a lot of big names and it not working out. Um, but it, but let's not. You know, I mean, the, the very first, uh, the very first uh, rule of evaluating a team is how much talent they have, and, and this team has a lot of talent. And so that uh, said, I think the Vikings have at least maintained their spot relative to the Rams in the NFC. I don't think they've fallen behind them. I don't think that they uh, now are, are looking up at, at what the Rams have put together and saying that they're an inferior roster in any way. Um, and, you know, we'll see We'll see exactly how it plays out for the Eagles as well. I mean, it's, we all put them at the top. You know, it's almost, you must always put last year's Super Bowl winner at the top of the so-called power rankings until proven otherwise, but they still have to navigate the quarterback situation with Carson Wentz and his injuries. And uh, they retooled themselves a little bit on offense as well. And the draft will have a big impact as well on, on, their, on them and, and potentially for the Vikings as well. Um, the Rams, it should be pointed out, as we talk about them moving forward, uh, well, will certainly are not in a cakewalk in their division. I know Seattle has has pulled back a little bit in terms of what they appear to be able to do in an immediate sense, but the 49ers, I think, have made a lot of moves, and the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, sensation will have an entire off season to prepare. Um, so they, uh, the Rams, will have their work cut out for them in their division first before they uh, start pursuing the Eagles. Is the catch rule in your mind now uh, clarified to a place where, where we won't be pulling our hair out on a weekly basis, Kevin Seifert? No, I think, <laughs> I, and, and I and I don't, and I think we've talked about this. I don't think there was a solution where that would have happened. Uh, to be honest, and just to be realistic about it, what it, what has happened is that we will no longer have plays like Des Bryant, Calvin Johnson, Jesse James, um, and a few others where guys have clearly gotten possession of the ball from an eye test but are falling and thus can't be credited with a catch until they maintain control of it throughout the process of going to ground, blah, blah, blah. So that will no longer, whether you're going to the ground or not, won't matter anymore. And so that we will not have those counterintuitive rulings where you have to, um, you have to rule those incomplete, even though they sure seem complete on every eye test there is. And we also won't have these situations where we saw, like with Kelvin Benjamin and, and last year from the Bills and a few others, where this minor movement of the ball uh, interrupts the the process of him uh, officially gaining control, and then when the ball stops, and then you're out of bounds, and then you can't be a uh, ruled complete. You're allowed. You will now be allowed, and they're going to enforce this because it's always been the case. But I think they're going to enforce better the slight movement of the ball can still be part of gaining possession, and so those two things which have vexed people for many years now in the past probably decade uh, will no longer be an issue. But we still have to decide after you gain, after you gain control of the ball and you're inbounds, how long do you have to do that for it to be a catch? There's going to be that time element. And now it's now under the definition of a football move, which can be three steps or it can be lunging with the ball extended forward or uh, having the ability to do that. And so that that's where, if there's going to be future controversies, and I'm sure there will be, or we'll be out of business, um, <laughs> uh, that's where the controversy is going to be. Did he, in fact, make a football move, uh, and was it clear, and, and do we need to go to replay to, 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 to determine if that third step happened before the ball got loose, whatever. So that's where there's going to be controversy if there is any. Did he, in fact, do we all agree that he that he made a football move, or was it a little bit uh 
in the gray area. I think what's what's cloudiest, and you sort of touched on it, if you're going to the ground, Chris Carter style, 45-degree angle, tiptoeing yeah. the sidelines, right? If you're going to the ground while you're controlling the ball in absence of a football move between you and the ground, if the ball pops loose when you hit the ground and you didn't make a secondary move, then surviving the ground would still be the determining factor, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that they the, the, the other part of the football move is to have the ability to uh, and this, I almost I didn't mention it because it gets into this gray area that, like, I hope we don't have too many situations of, but the ability to make a football move, and so the, the official will have to judge whether. <laughs> hey, I to- I totally could have made a football move. I just chose not to. Yeah, totally could have made right, one. That he, that if you're in position to do that, um, and you just decide, like in Chris Carter's case, you know, he'd have his feet down, and then he just like he let himself go to the ground, and so if you. Conceivably, in that situation, Chris Carter could grab the ball, have possession, get two feet in down and bounce. As he's going to the ground, he could lunge. He he would be in that in a physical position where he could you know extend the ball and lunge if he wanted to, but he didn't need to because he was in that particular situation. So that's another bit of the area where they will have to judge, and I think it'll you know it and that gives them. Frankly, it gives the officials the, chance, the, the sort of the, the cover to say, if it looks like a catch, it is a catch. And so in the Chris Carter situation, it looks like a catch, it is a catch. He could have done a football. He was in – physically, he could have performed a football move if he wanted to, but he didn't. And so that yeah, – but it looks like a catch, so it is one. And so that's, that is provided to give them a little bit of cover in those situations and not have us try to inspect it to find some – to basically find a loophole to say he – that doesn't hit the definition, even though it looks like a catch. Boy, the old hypothetical football move. It's the Super Correct. Bowl rules applied consistently <laughs> if they work, and we're not sure that they'll work because the league actually changed the rules in the middle of the playoffs, but they didn't uh, tell the rest of us. Yeah, well, I think they they got they came to their senses and they realized yes. they had gone too far in the first place, and yep. in the end, they returned to where they had been before. Yeah. Kevin, great stuff, man. I'm more confused now <laughs> th- than I was w- when I actually asked the question, but thank you, that, Kevin. That's my specialty, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not Bye, your Kevin. fault. Bye. Here, bye. <laughs> Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. Uh, let's let's circle back on a couple of those things, too. And then later on, Dan Hayes will join us for some talking Twins. Just saw a drone photo of Target Field from our guy, our friend Tyler Mason. How's it looking? There's still snow all over the outfield and all over the seats. <sighs> The Star Tribune had a note that uh, Dave St. Peter, president of the team, asked employees yesterday to bring shovels to work, and I'm not kidding you. Well, they should. I mean, there's like they're shoveling out Target the Field. Yeah, they should. They're the shoveling way, it out right Ronda now. Ronda Rousey's on ESPN again for a second second crack at this. Oh, she's Turn laughing now. Oh, now Super she's having happy. fun. Yeah, so much fun. Hey, you know what time it is? Mackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty. On 1500 ESPN. MLB The Show 18 is now out. More home runs, more epic plays, more classic legends. All in less time, knock out a game of MLB The Show 18 in less than 15 minutes. Dominate the competition on the couch, on the headset, and on the diamond. For those who crave the best of baseball, MLB The Show 18 Welcome to the show, rated E for everyone. Enter to win your very own copy of MLB The Show 18 right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. We're going to give away Twins tickets. We're going to give away home opener tickets later on in the show. You know, we might have to fire up, maybe we fire up some Steal the Loot later in the show. Not not Ooh. the other game. Yep. 
Steal the loot. Okay. What was, yeah. Oh, I see yeah, what you're doing. Not stump. I see. Yeah, not not stump, but steal the loot. We could do either one. I don't. I mean, it doesn't matter. But maybe later in the show, we make someone earn the tickets. Does anyone have any idea who the Twins beat last year in their season opener? I'm just curious. <laughs> Let's go through nine callers to and, find out. And, and were in you, the entire National League? Yeah. <laughs> it was the, the Padres. It, was the it had to be Dodgers. I remember that game. They beat Kershaw. No, no, no. It was the Marlins. It was the Marlins. No, no. Uh, we were talking with our, our program director, Brad Lane, during the break. If Dave St. Peter's asking employees to bring shovels, why not just have fans come in? We'll give you a couple beers. We'll a, open up a couple concessions. A beer stands. voucher. No, no. Oh, whatever. A oh. beer voucher. I so, think they, I think so they should you pop a couple back. kegs while you're there, to be honest. I'm there, if that's the case. I'll do it. I mean, we could bring a remote. shovel a bit. I'd bring, we could bring a remote broadcast kit or just do uh-huh. like the, uh, you know, the phone broadcast or something. I'd grab a shovel for a few I minutes. I think the snow, snow was fairly light as well, right? It wasn't as heavy. Yeah. See, I don't want the heavy stuff because that's I'm nearing fifty. That's well, when you drop. Well, I think I want the light, fluffy stuff that I can shovel. Okay, but it's like borderline freezing, which means it's 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 wet and it's sticky. It's probably much chunkier snow coming from a guy who has. A nice I got to shovel it today when I get feet. home because I didn't do my uh, sidewalk yet. How'd you get out of your driveway? If uh... no driveway on the street. Okay, right outside my house. And you didn't have to but now I got to get home and dig the. I, I hate doing that, especially April. What what is it? April fourth today. Plan. Go but pay yes, someone I would be bucks. more than than happy to come down to Target Field and shovel a little bit of snow in exchange yeah. for one of the new thirty four beers they have on tap at the Pucket entrance or whatever it is. Uh, I, this, we had Kevin Seifert on to talk about this back and forth between NFL coaches and Mike Zimmer sort of leading the charge on this. The league wants the league is offering up. Hey, we've got these tablets, and you guys have been using the Microsoft Surface Pros, and you and you can go through the still images. And right now, the so right now the NFL limits teams to just looking at still images during games. And obviously, from a from an audio standpoint, they cut headset access between coaches and quarterbacks with 17 seconds remaining on the play clock. And Mike Zimmer saying, "No video. If we went to video." I would never be wrong. It would be too easy almost to coach on the sidelines because you would just never be wrong. You'd be you'd be able to just constantly look at video and you'd be able to out-scheme. Now, I would argue that after what happened in the NFC Championship game, Mike Zimmer isn't in a position to turn down any in-game help, but, uh, but I digress. I think the conversation is about where you draw the line with in-game technology. When does it just become offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators playing Madden because you have full access to the linebacker's headset and full access to, like, you got to draw the line somewhere because you have the technology, if you want, to put a headset on everyone and open it up throughout the entire play and have all 22 cam footage for the entire game. Like, sure. it could be yeah, like it. a Madden player but but live NFL action unless you draw that line somewhere. And it sounds like coaches want to draw the line at still images, which Here, is interesting. Here's what I want. I want because this is this is really about one thing. Mike Zimmer and a bunch of coaches think that there is a there is a group of coaches who are lazy and stupid. I want that list. They want and they want to I want them. But I want that list. But I mean, when when the coaches talk about this, they are thinking to themselves, that guy in Tennessee is an Idiot, and I'm not going to help him one bit. Bill Belichick I thinks want, that about every coach yeah, in the NFL. I, but I want, I want a list. I want someone just to speculate. Give me the, give me the five to ten coaches who you think are such morons that they actually might win some games if they got th- this technology at their disposal. Because that's what he's saying. He is. He's yes. saying I. He's saying I get to work on Monday. I don't go home. 
So I outwork you, number one. Yes. But number two, there's also a group of you who I think are pretty stupid. Yeah. And and because I'm smart, I can beat you. He doesn't want to even the playing field. Yeah, he, in his mind, he sees things on the field, and he's able to draw conclusions and make adjustments that other coaches aren't. So it's partially selfish. But if you took all of the technology that's available and, and took it as far as you could go, let's say, hey, hey you know what, instead of Sean McVay – getting access until there's 17 seconds left to Jared Goff's helmet. You know what? We're going to if you want to talk to Jared Goff while he's rolling out right, you can do that. And also, instead of just getting still images, you're going to get all 22 footage throughout the entire game. You could basically sit there if you're a coach and put it on autopilot for a for a player, like for a quarterback. You could say, "All right, uh, so I'm just going to tell you what to do here. It looks like the safety's coming down to your right. So what I want you to do is look left. All right, snap the ball here. Play clock running down. Uh, three, two, snap it, snap it. Look left. Wide receiver to the right. You could literally just sit there and tell your quarterback what to do. Mike Zimmer, I think uh, from a defensive perspective, is saying, I already know what adjustments to yes. instill into my defense. Yes. I don't want to make those adjustments easier for my opponent. And I've got those down. Coaches. And I've got those down, in his case, by Tuesday. Except against the Eagles, but yeah. Well, yeah, but he's thinking to, to himself, but I just, I want that list of stupid coaches. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Marvin well, Lewis. he probably thinks every coach Marvin is. Lewis has no shot to beat me. No. I mean, there's a. Mike Munchak. Exactly. There's got to be a list of these guys who, uh, who you, who he says to himself, I figure you out by Monday night and by Sunday I've got you. Exactly. Yeah. There has to be some preserved human element. Yeah. Among the the actual action on the this, field. I, I mean, to me, an umpire flipping a coin is not a human element. That's just a moving goalpost of what's a strike and what isn't. This also goes to to the fact that there is a large group of coaches who their life is one thing, grinding film. They love to grind film. They love this sport. <laughs> yes, they and that's, do. <laughs> and that's it. But, I mean, they, they want to sit there on Monday night into Tuesday, Tuesday night, by the time their players get uh, to the facility to start working on the next game plan on Wednesday, they have basically probably spent, you know, 47 hours of their waking time grinding film. Yes. Uh, let's come back. I-, I like this talker that you brought up here, and I'd love to know the, uh, the the core of why your mind is going in this direction, but your biggest Minnesota sports regret. Mm-hmm. Is there like a Wolves tie-in for what might happen here in the next week? Or There, there was a conversation that, that we had on the show yesterday that okay. actually brought up something that I've realized is a great regret of my life.